is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 477, recorded Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. It's a crazy 20, time, Jason. How are you doing? 2020, this year is fucked. <laughs> Can we just I'm, cancel it and start over? Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of things I'd like to cancel. Oh, it's pretty much canceled. Anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, the whole, at this point, it feels like it. Everything is closed. Uh, people are being told to stay inside, socially distance themselves, not interact with each other. It sucks. It does suck. How you doing? You're uh, everybody, uh, everybody healthy, happy, safe, bored? Well, all, kind of all of those things, although the least of all of them is bored, but I'll get into that in a second. But yeah, we are on day seven since we returned from our trip to the U.S. And everyone who's coming back to Canada from a foreign country has been told to basically stay home for 14 days. And so we are 50% of the way through our voluntary isolation, and it feels like forever. Yeah. Oh my God, it feels like forever. We've been making the best of it doing things, you know, at home. We did a puzzle, which was a Michonne puzzle, which was very cool and appropriate for tonight's episode. Yep. But playing games, um, the schools are closed, of course. So we made a schedule for the kids of things to do all day. And man, all you got to do is give kids a schedule and it just, at least mine, they fall right into line. They've been following that thing to the letter for a couple of days now. Nice. It's funny. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's been okay. We still see our neighbors across the driveway from a safe distance and, you know, they'll stand on their side and we stand on our side and have a beer and chat and, you know, that's fun. And even earlier today, I went out in the backyard and actually did some jumping jacks and ran up and down the deck stairs a few times and got some exercise and felt pretty good after. Good man. Good man. I know. So, you know, we're, we're doing okay, but basically have not left the property and, seven days and have another seven to go. Um, you're not quite, you're not in this quite the same scenario though, right? No, social distancing, but not, uh, you know, in self-imposed isolation. Uh, although, uh, you know, my wife and son have not really left the house in a week, <laughs> but I go out every now and again, uh, to get groceries or I attempted to go to the drugstore today, but instead of closing at 10, they closed at eight and I missed it by a few minutes. Well, so I'll have to get a prescription tomorrow. Yeah. The, the drugstores around here too, are even managing the number of people in at a time. So there's a lineup outside with six feet in between each person and, yep. and you can't have more than a certain number in at one time. So it is really wild out there and nothing, unlike anything I've ever experienced. I think. Yeah, I life. had that at uh, Home Depot. I had to wait in line, in a socially distant line, in order to get in because of uh, a capacity. My uh, my garbage disposal broke. It would not shut off. And in the uh, infinite wisdom of the previous homeowners, they did not build it in such a way that you just simply plug it in under the sink. It's oh. actually hardwired to the house. So I had to find the breaker and I shut it off. And uh, on Saturday, I tried to fix it. And what I ended up doing was not fixing it, putting it back together and made it leak. So it started leaking. And I couldn't make it stop leaking, so I had to go to Home Depot to get uh, water weld, which is this putty you can put around crap to make stop make crap stop leaking. So I had to go into a socially distant line to get into Home Depot to get this stuff to fix my sink that I broke. Uh, anyway, it's uh, the, the garbage disposal is still not working, but at least it doesn't leak now. Got it. All right. So, well. 
<laughs> but the dishwasher's leaking, and I haven't figured that out that situation out yet. But I bought extra water weld. I'm doing that this weekend. Oh, good. Uh, I hope I don't break it anymore. And it's already <laughs> broken, but that's already leaking into the basement. Uh, so I had to shut the dishwasher off. Anyway, things are falling apart. You, you're, you're stuck at home and your whole place is, yeah, falling to pieces. <laughs> yeah. Can't call Boy. a plumber. No. <laughs> they won't come. No, they won't. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, listen, I hope everybody out there is, is doing okay. I hope none of our listeners are sick. Uh, that would be really terrible, but it's a, it's a tough time for everybody. So yeah, just our best to you guys and you know, stay home, stay away from people if you can, obviously. And of course, uh, be well. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of thought for a minute that maybe we should not do the podcast during all this, but, and that sort of seemed stupid to me because like you and I can do this from our house. We don't have to leave the house to do it. And I hope it gives people something enjoyable to listen to while you're at home and, you know, spending all day cleaning or doing whatever you do. Um, I felt like there was some, some value to be had in it. So we're, we're doing it. And, you know, I was thinking about that too. Uh, and even last Thursday and today when the last two times we podcasted, uh, I personally need a sense of normality in, in, in my life, something that is normal. Right. Sitting at home, uh, you know, in the, uh, the, uh, Talking Dead Studios and you sitting at home in the Talking Dead Dungeon, uh, you know, that's normal for us. And I think that uh, the listeners uh, that get this podcast, that listen to this podcast, uh, you know, if we can help with some sense of normality, you know, still putting out regular episodes, uh, you know, not shutting everything down in the whole world. At least the internet still works for now. So we can continue to do this. Fingers crossed, my friend, that the internet continues to work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very, very important. All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad it provides a certain level of normality for you and, and hopefully it does for everyone else as well. Um, I need this. Yeah, totally. Totally. We need it. Now, before we dive in here, today is March 24th, and it is Chocolate-Covered Raisins Day. How do you feel about chocolate-covered raisins, Jason? I like chocolate-covered raisins, Christopher. Do, do you like raisins not covered in chocolate? Mm, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you like chocolate <laughs> that is not surrounding a raisin, right? Uh, sort of. <laughs> Okay, so the, I, uh, the two things exclusively or independently, you're not so sure on, but put them together and it creates something delicious. I Well, I don't like just chocolate. I can eat chocolate with pretty much anything. Like uh, Reese's peanut butter cups are my favorite, chocolate and peanut butter. Well, it's not really peanut butter, but it's whatever their, you know, hyped up sugar coated peanut butter, you know, equivalent is. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it's good stuff. Sure. Uh, chocolate covered raisins. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to get at a movie theater. Oh. When I go to uh, to watch a movie, I get myself some some of those. So I do like chocolate covered raisins. Wish I had some now that you've mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> well, it's the day should... for them. It's March twenty fourth, National Chocolate Covered Raisins Day. You know, I I generally don't like to talk about anything related to the podcast before we actually podcast. I don't watch the news on The Walking Dead. I don't. Uh, yep. Uh, you know, I don't watch previews. I don't do uh, any of that kind of stuff. But maybe I should figure out what you're going to say, what day it is before we get on the podcast, because it's now twenty after nine, and uh, I do not have time to uh, acquire chocolate covered raisins. Well, I mean, you can always celebrate a day late, but you're right. I mean, 
Maybe you should. Maybe I should give you some warning. Although, I'll be honest with you, I don't always decide what day it is much before we start recording. <laughs> well, this is a problem. I think. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to take some growing pains because it might. Uh, it was last week too that you mentioned something that I wish I had prior knowledge of, but I forget what that was. Yeah. I just remember the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, happy chocolate covered raisins day. If those are something you like, eat a few for us. Cool. And just a word of warning to you and all the listeners that in uh, 25 minutes, I have to go take my bread out of the, out of the oven or out of the, the bread maker. So I uh, might have to pause the podcast. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Good to know. Jason's making bread and he's got to get it. It's all about the food today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, with the, uh, grocery stores being out of stuff, they were out of bread for a little while there. And my grandmother did give us a bread maker for uh, a housewarming gift. So I broke it out and started making bread and I friggin' love it. Good, uh, man. So much better. And, but you have to make it often because without preservative preservatives, that stuff goes moldy quick. Right. Like well, you within, gotta, uh, you gotta eat it fast. It's the trick. Yeah. Well, we don't eat a lot of bread, but we like to have bread around. So I'm making the smallest loaf I possibly can. And we generally don't get through it before it starts, uh, starts not being so good to eat anymore. So I have to up my bread intake. All right. Well, you, you let us know and we'll take a break while you do that. Surely. Okay. We actually, Jason, have one important Walking Dead news item we have to discuss before we get into the recap of this week's episode. And, um, I want to do this because it's rather significant news, um, that everyone's going to need to know about. and No one wants to be surprised. And that is that the Walking Dead season finale has been postponed. Really? So as it stands right now, season 10 of The Walking Dead is going to end on episode 15 instead of 16. What, what do you mean by postponed? Like, they, uh, like they're postponing it till the beginning of October kind of thing? No. So this came out on The Walking Dead's Twitter account. They said... Current events have unfortunately made it impossible to complete post-production of The Walking Dead Season 10 finale. So the current season will end with its 15th episode on April 5th. The planned finale will appear as a special episode later in the year. So my expectation is that this will happen sometime probably late summer, early fall before The Walking Dead comes back. You may be right. Maybe they will do it just a week before season 11 starts. Who knows? But for now, we only have two more episodes of The Walking Dead to cover for mm. season 10, um, you know, that's going to air consec consecutively. So no episode 16 this year. Okay, so that's uh, that's good. And I was actually thinking that, you know, by this time, uh, they would have had all the episodes in the can and that they were delaying it because of, uh, uh, I'm not sure. They've been delaying movies and, and video games and all kinds of stuff because of, uh, you know, movies are understandable. They've shut down all the cinemas, so uh, they can't guarantee any numbers. So in order to uh, to have the kind of numbers they need, they will delay a movie like James Bond. Yep. Got delayed till the fall. Stuff's getting delayed till next year. So my first thought was that delay they're delaying it for some reason. Uh, other than uh, post-production, uh, you know, not being able to complete post-production. But since they are unable to complete post-production, that's actually good news because that means that the people that are working on it are staying home right. or not not going into the office or not going anywhere they don't need, absolutely need to be. So I'm on board with this. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I think that, 
I'm a little surprised too that it wasn't done and in the can already, but um, but I guess they're still finishing it up. Uh, Greg Nicotero actually posted this apparently to his Instagram, although I'll be honest with you, I couldn't find it on his Instagram when I went looking, but this does come from an official Walking Dead source too. So he wrote, post-production uh, for those who are curious involves visual effects, music, sound mixing, and sound effects. The process usually goes up to about three weeks from air date. I'm finding out about this the same time you guys are, and it's disappointing, but the episode will not disappoint. Be safe, everyone. Um, so that's interesting to hear that production generally goes up until about three weeks before the air date. So I'm not surprised that at this point they were wrapping it up, but they're unable to finish it because of everything going on in the world. So, um, so they're delaying. Yeah. Okay. Not let's, a big deal. Uh, let's do it. At least it's not like uh, South Park, which uh, they do the whole episode the week it airs. <laughs> like from writing it to producing it to getting it uh, or getting it. South Park still on? Yeah, I think it's still on. I was going to okay. say to animating it and I put animating in air quotes because boy. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it is animated. I know. Right? They, know. Don't, they don't actually use paper cutouts, but uh, uh, they in order to be incredibly topical, they do things fast. Mm -hmm. Like they just do everything, everything. It's a well-oiled machine at this point. It's been on forever. Yeah. Uh, so, but they do things really, really quickly. But I'm a little surprised like you that, uh, that they, they are still working on the episode three weeks before. I mean, it's edited, right? So what they're doing is they're yeah. in the final touches, the audio, the visual effects, like Greg said. Yep. Greg, Greg, like he's my friend. Yeah. He's your buddy. Come on. We've met him. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, two other quick related notes, Walking Dead World Beyond, the new show that was supposed to premiere on the finale night was yeah. actually postponed indefinitely a couple of weeks ago. Um, they have decided not to air that. And for now they haven't given a date for when it will air. So they've just said later this year as well. And production on Fear the Walking Dead season six has been shut down, I believe for at least four weeks, but we'll see how things go. And pre-production on season 11 of The Walking Dead has been shut down. So yeah, all Walking Dead activity has been stopped for the time being. Shut it all down. Like just shut everything down. Let everybody be safe. Uh, go home, stay there. Uh, it's only TV. We can, uh, we'll get over it. TV will be there when we come back. And like you said, we'll get over it. That's right. Yeah. All right. With all that being said and out of the way, it is time to get into our recap of season 10, episode 13 of The Walking Dead. What, what we, we become. Thank you, Happy Jack from Victoria, BC for that title read. It is called What We Become. He sounds happy. He does. And echoey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, so What We Become is a title taken straight from one of the volumes of the comic, which is uh, interesting. They do that on the show once in a while. And it begins, this is the Michonne episode. This is Michonne's, Denai Guerrero's final episode on The Walking Dead, everybody. This is it for her. Yeah. I didn't know that at the beginning of the episode, but I sure as hell knew it by about halfway through. By about halfway through. Okay. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I was hoping that her last appearance on the show would be kind of a two-parter. Like this story of her going to the island and what happens there and coming back or not would span over two episodes. But I feel like they did do a good job telling this story all within one. Um, but, but I think it's just because I wanted to see more of Michonne before she's gone forever, you know? Well, I don't think she's gone forever. Okay, well, we'll, well talk. Don't bring her back, right? We'll talk about that. There's potential. There's potential. Let's, let's start. 
we begin the episode with Michonne's reflection in a puddle and oh my god you realize very quickly that this is Michonne from her original introduction way back in season two with her zombie pets chained to her so we're flashing back here that's uh, uh three uh right because season two all we saw was the silhouette okay and, sorry but this scene yeah, came so, this scene was that scene from season two at the very end no because uh, Denai Guerrero was not cast until season three they just showed the silhouette of Michonne without casting information okay I, I know that but we're we're supposed to assume like it's the same character oh I see what you mean okay so yes this scene comes from season two but it did not take place or we did not see this scene in season two uh well okay so what happens is we're flashing back it's this scene where Andrea is running through the forest escaping zombies right yep and Andrea tries to fight back and w back then season Michonne uh saves Andrea but in this flashback version of the scene Michonne does not she turns away and leaves Andrea to die and we hear Andrea screaming horribly as she's killed and it's very upsetting yeah that uh yes and I real I was like that's not what happened. This yeah. must be uh, an alternate reality. Like, are they really going with a flash sideways? <laughs> uh, kind of, but not really. Well, I, they explain it later, but I was confused at the time. Yeah. I think they did a great job recreating this, though, to be honest with you, because it was, it was of course, a mix of new footage with Denai Guerrera, as well as the original footage with um, Lori Holden as Andrea. Yeah. Um, and it was a really powerful scene, in my opinion, with Michonne like turning away and leaving while we hear Andrea screaming as she's eaten by zombies. It was really well done, I thought. It was. It you was. Know? And it was nice to see uh, Michonne's pets. Was it her boyfriend and her boyfriend's brother? I forget uh, what the, the canon explanation of these two are. Yeah. It was nice to see them again, though. Everyone looked, everyone looked just as good as they did back then in season two or three or it whatever does. the hell it was. Yeah. <laughs> So after the opening credits, we are with Michonne and Virgil. They're arriving at his island. He leads her inland where he says everything is. They come to a location with a garden and he starts picking some things, some flowers, I think. And he, you know, Michonne's getting impatient to get going. She has a purpose for being there, these weapons, but he says they can't return empty handed. And uh, as they go, they pass a sign on a fence that says restricted area, unexploded ordinance. That's weird. Is it? it uh, well, it's weird to have a sign like that where inside the fenced area is a, is a building. Because usually it's like unexploded ordnance. That means it's, a, uh, it's some kind of range for either artillery or, uh, you know, uh, tanks. What are they called? Uh, mechanized infantry or whatever it is. So, you know, when you they have uh, ranges for artillery and they fire into the artillery range, you're not allowed to go in there. Because you know, sometimes the uh, the rounds will hit the dirt and not do anything, and right. you don't know what's going on. So they just that area is permanently fenced off. No one's ever going in there again. Like this is an artillery range. There could be unexploded ordnance. That's the end of people in this area. So that's normal. I've seen those ranges. I used to uh, uh, when I was in the reserves. I was attached to an artillery regiment. We did uh, you know range fires and. You would never go into the, uh, into the range. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's weird to see that on a fence surrounding a building. Could it be that the building was just storing munitions or something and 
and they well, didn't want people to, they wanted people to be careful going in there yeah well th- that's what the sign would say unexploded ordinance right uh, to me say it says this is a, some kind of firing range okay well uh, i guess it was just a sign then that they put up on a fence well somebody you know and that that uh, that made me think who would put that fence uh, that sign up on there so one of the people that lived around here obviously found that sign mm-hmm. and then put it up on this fence because they thought it would be cool. Maybe. I thought it was a good sign. Maybe they used it for target practice, but there was no bullet holes in it. Yeah. So Anyways. it's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, if you found a sign like that on the ground somewhere out in the world, if I found it, I'd put it up on a wall. Oh, fair. Yeah. Right. Good. You know, I good wouldn't point. steal it because, you know, stealing it means that somebody might come along and not see it because it's gone. And stealing is wrong. It's, well, yeah. Besides that. Uh, <laughs> I would, I'm more worried about the people that may cross that line into the area where there's unexploded ordinance than I would be worried about the, uh, legal ramifications of stealing a sign. Fair enough. Right. But if I found it, you know, legitimately found it lying on the ground, somebody else stole it, let's say, I'd put it up on my wall. Sure. Cool sign. Because I, I assume that wherever it was stolen from, by the time I found it, would have replaced the sign. Okay. Well, very good. Nope. I, I never imagined the sign would generate such, so many comments. Yeah. Well, it was, it was confusing to me. Unusual sign. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, anyways, Virgil and Michonne come to another location with what looks to me like a, a setup for people gathering. You know, there's chairs around tables and stuff like that. Virgil's talking about his family and Michonne suspects that he is stalling for some reason. So takes out her sword, asking him to stop the bullshit because she's getting very impatient and he shows her three empty graves on the ground, or dug in the, into the ground. So let's talk about the, uh, this area that they found. Sure. Uh, uh, so there's chairs. Yes. Right? With books on them. Okay. How long have these books been here? I think right? for a while. They did not look like they had been there for a while. These books did not have, like, you know what happens when you take a bath with a book, right? Well, you don't drop the book in because it's not the same ever again. It doesn't matter because you get the steam from the bath. I take hot baths or used to. Anyway, it's been a long time since I've taken a bath, but I've had showers just for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, everybody. Picture Jason in the bath. (laughs) Yeah. I bathe once a month whether I need it or not. Fair enough. So uh, these books look like the pages have not been frayed or warped or rained on. Even the, uh, the blanket that was lying over the chair did not look like it had taken any kind of weather. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, it looked like it, there's, this was a populated area that the people just buggered off while Michonne and this guy were walking through. So that's what I assumed was going on. It looked fresh. Okay. Yeah. That, I, I can see that be, assumption being made. I think maybe it turns out though that Virgil's a bit of a crazy dude and, uh, you know, maybe he's keeping it kind of maintained, um, in his own insane sort of way. Or, or maybe Michonne has already had the tea. Right? Uh, what, what's real? <laughs> when does reality fork off from fantasy or fantasy fork off from reality? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it's pretty clear in the episode when it does, but I mean, I suppose it's possible that this is But we've not already real. had an alternate reality flashback, right? That's how the episode started. So where do you draw that line? That, that line is, is blurred right now. 
Jeez, man, you are really deep into this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm like, okay, something's going on. We got alternate realities. He's got these, uh, well, at this time, I assumed there was, this was an active campsite with people that just were hiding. Okay. But it's not because there's been nobody around here for some time. Yeah. With a weird sign fetish. Yeah. Well, okay. Anyways, I, I have another thought on that, but I think it'll come up a little bit later. So... Michonne, as I said, was getting really frustrated with him. Virgil tries to explain that his family is dead and that he's not good at killing walkers. So he asks Michonne to kill his zombie family who are trapped in a building. That's what, yeah. that's why he brought her there. That's what he wants to do. So they approach a door to the building. They enter. She takes out a walker. Um, they move down the hall, which is partially barricaded. It kind of reminded me of the hall where... Alpha met Beta for the first time with that barricade in the middle. Oh, yeah. Yep. Reminded me of that. And I wondered if they filmed it at the same place. They could have. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they move down the hall. Michonne quietly takes out a walker that's kind of stuck in the barricade. And then as they pass through, Virgil gets stuck. He stumbles. Everything comes crashing down. And he alerts all the zombies with this big noise. Why was the zombie stuck in the uh, barricade? But uh, Herschel and I'm sorry, what's his name? Virgil. Virgil. Yes. Uh, why were they able to get through? Well, I mean, why, was, the, why the zombie, was the zombie stuck? The zombie doesn't have the same, you know, physical abilities as a as a living thinking human. So it was just kind of trying to push its way through, and it couldn't. Yeah, but they ripped their own legs off and stuff to get unstuck. Well, maybe it was only recently stuck, like just a few minutes before or something. All right. And then when uh, Michonne stabbed that zombie through the head, yeah, that was. Uh, I couldn't imagine taking a sharp knife and getting it through an overly ripe cantaloupe that easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. We go through this every time. I know, but this, it was so smooth and quiet and just, shh, and did, there was zero, zero resistance. Yeah. Well, it was, she... it was, it was, it was, I have to assume that much like Lucille, who we'll see, and I do use the word who correctly uh -huh. later on in the episode that Michonne's katana is, has got to be at least a plus three sword. Well, I'm sure it is. She keeps it extremely sharp. I'm sure too. Yeah. But it's, it goes beyond just sharp. It's, it's magical, right? It's a, it's, well, you know, plus three, uh, you never really played D&D. You've played some D&D. I mean, it's been decades, but yeah. Yeah. The uh, plus three is significant. Okay. Like this is, it's not just like you're running the mill plus one sword. It's plus three, and that's a that's a that's a big deal. Well, I mean, if anyone's going to have a plus three sword, I would say Michonne would. Well, yeah, obviously. Okay. So the stuff comes crashing down, and the zombies that are at the other end of the hall start coming towards them. There's a whole bunch. So Michonne grabs an old stretcher, I think it is, and she pushes through them by holding the stretcher up. Then they get into the next room. She starts fighting them off while Virgil hides behind the stretcher, and he's slowly pushed into a corner, but. She finishes off all the zombies and saves him just in time. I, I can't, uh, I can't decide if he's less than useless or helpful in this situation. Uh, less than useless is, uh, you know, he caused this ruckus. He, I think she would have been better off if he stayed outside. I think so. Overall. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Except that when they went into this room full of zombies, he was in the corner and needed to be saved, but he distracted a whole bunch of them, right? They were all facing the other way. Yeah. So maybe that gave Michonne the breathing room in order to be able to wipe out that whole uh, room full of zombies. I think you could have been right. I think Michonne probably used him 
you know, in the best way she could have as a, as an aide in that situation. But if he wasn't there, I suspect she might've approached the whole thing differently. Yeah, maybe. You know, not crash down the barricade, sneak in, take them out slowly kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, it all sort of worked out. He didn't get eaten and ended up in the corner and it gave her a chance to kill off the rest of them. And there were a lot in that room because you see a shot when they're all dead and their bodies scattered all over the floor. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of undead and now <laughs> yeah. dead in that <laughs> that's, room. That's right. Redead. Um, they come into yet another room and there are walkers hanging from the ceiling and we are meant to believe this is Virgil's family uh, and he replaces a shoe that had fallen off one of them, presumably his wife. So they, they hanged themselves. Is that what happened here? I, I All guess the stools so. were knocked over? I, I guess so, yeah. If he, they were in there, there was no hope. They couldn't get out, so they hanged themselves. Mass hanged themselves. So what is this island and what is this facility exactly? Well, it's, is a, it a, it's a research lab of some kind? Well, they call it a research lab later, or when we meet the three characters in the cell later, it's, they mentioned they were researchers. But my understanding is it was um, some sort of military fortification as well, and that's why there were supposed to be so many weapons here. So military research of some kind. Yes. All right. It just, uh, <laughs> I was confused because is it military, is it research, there's, you know, uh, it, this doesn't look like, uh, like this room that they're in and this building that they're in, it doesn't really look like a, uh, a lab of any kind. It doesn't look like a hospital. It doesn't look like they're, uh, researching munitions. I'm not even sure what that kind of facility would look like. No. But it just looks like, uh... Uh, a school? Yeah. Sort of? I, I actually a hospital got, maybe? I got school or hospital vibes as well, to be honest, but it was pretty dark, so we didn't really get a good look at it. And if it was a big enough facility, there would be different buildings for different purposes, right? Maybe this wasn't a laboratory. Maybe this was the, the office administration building or something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I think I can let it go. Okay. I just, I, I, I'm a little confused about this island. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it really gets less confusing as it goes on, but we'll see. Uh, outside at the graves, Virgil places some flowers on them now. Michonne is, of course, still super anxious for these weapons. And Virgil continues to stall, even though they've now done the family thing. And he says that they should stay the night and, you know, he'll show her what she wants to see in the morning. Yeah, Virgil's a very untrustworthy person and should not be trusted in any way, shape, or form and probably should be tied down uh, and threatened in order to uh, spill the beans about what the hell's going on here because he's lied like three times already. Already, and, yeah. And Michonne's giving him, giving him chance after chance after chance to tell the truth. He's like, oh, it's just one more thing. Come this way. I'm just going to show you this one more thing. Yeah, and, uh, and she even says to him, like, you have to hold up your end of this bargain, right? I'm, I'm not going to be happy if you don't, basically. Yeah. Well, just wait till morning. It's like, no, you show me the goddamn thing now and then we'll leave in the morning. Yeah. That makes more <laughs> sense. Right? <laughs> but he won't and they agree to stay out the night. Michonne, of course, can't sleep. So she, she gets up, she checks the radio. There's only static. She starts exploring the area, the building a little bit more. She finds a room that has some crates and she hears voices whispering while she's checking them. Yeah. Uh, she starts moving towards the voices. She, she goes past a bunch of crates with dead animals in them. So this could be more of a research building if they're experimenting with animals. 
Yes. So this looked a little more like an animal uh, research facility. Right. So that's where she is now. Uh, she ends up listening to these voices through a wall and suddenly Virgil appears behind her, closes the door and locks her in a room and we go to a commercial break. Yeah. Well, they did show when she opened the door, they did show the uh, uh, a security, like a door security magnet thing. When you, when you open up a door, it sets off an alarm. Oh yeah. Okay. So they showed that. So as soon as she opened that, I'm like, well, somebody's alerted that she's there, right? Like, why show it if somebody's not going to be alerted that the, that the alarm went off? Sound True. An alarm of some kind. Yeah. So I knew something was going to happen to her well, at that point. She gets locked in this room and uh, it's Virgil who does it. So she does end up going through those crates, which all look like uh, military style. Uh, you know, weapons crates mm-hmm. or uh, ordnance crates of some kind, but they just, I'm not sure what she found in them, but they looked like they were full of something. Or, or full of like packing material, but no actual weapons. That's the, that's the impression I got. That there was nothing of value in there. Okay. So this building that they're in has active security, uh, weapons crates or ordnance crates of some kind, uh, cages with dead animals, and a whole bunch of drawers, which I assume have other dead animals. Maybe. Or previously alive animals. I guess that also means dead animals. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is a very weird building. It's, it's a, a weird a, building. A, on a weird island. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, it, it's been a long time since the zombie apocalypse occurred, so potentially a lot of weirdness could have taken place here over the years. This island started giving me hard lost vibes at this oh, point. Interesting. I'm like, yeah. what the hell's going on in this friggin' island? Weird signs. It looks like people are here, but they're not here. We hear whispering voices. Uh, we have labs. Uh, there's military aspect to it. Uh, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, but uh, you know, who, who knows? I think it has a history over the years. Some weird stuff has happened. And here we are at this point. All right, I'm going to go take my bread out. I'll be back. Oh, shit! Welcome back. How's the bread? Smells delicious. Awesome. Well, after our commercial break, Michonne is locked in this room. She's banging on the walls. She eventually sleeps and, you know, wakes up. She suddenly, well, she realizes she's still locked in and there's a plate of food nearby her now. She wakes up and she doesn't have her sword anymore. No, she doesn't have anything with her. So somehow he got in this room while she was sleeping, uh, disarmed her and gave her a plate of food. Uh, yep, that's right. Is that possible? I mean, she was sleeping. People could do a lot of things to me while I sleep. Well, I mean, that's nice to hear, but (laughs) wouldn't, when you first get to a hotel room, the first night you spend in a hotel room, you don't sleep very well because your brain is going, I don't trust this place. I have to be at least semi-alert. Right. right. I've heard Isn't that. that the theory? Yep. Yeah. So she's sleeping in a, uh, a very uncomfortable position in a room that she's not familiar with. She's not going to sleep that soundly, I wouldn't think. And how do you get her sword off of her while she's sleeping? Yeah. I very carefully and delicately maybe. Yeah. I just, I call bullshit on this okay. whole thing, unless she's already drugged. Unless she's already drugged. Well, right. I, I think you're starting to think that. Uh, but she hears voices from the other side of the walls. They start talking to her and it turns out there are three other captives next door. Uh, Michonne starts asking questions. Turns out they're former researchers and friends of Virgil's, they say. They explain they used to take people in, but supplies grew low. 
Um, people started to panic and Virgil locked everybody in somewhere, but didn't know his wife and kids were inside. Um, and that's how, you know, all those zombies were in that other building and why his family was locked in there. But they encourage Michonne to eat. And these three people are named Lucy, Celeste, and Jeremiah. So Michonne asks, uh, how long have I been here? Which is an odd question to ask if you just happen to fall asleep and then wake up. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, her sense of time is not that horrible. That no. she doesn't know that it was nighttime when she came in and she woke up when it wasn't nighttime any longer. So that again makes me think, is she drugged already? Okay. Yeah. She's confused, so, but they say their, their answer is about a day, right? Yeah. About a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you get confused about how long you've been someplace? I mean, it, we've all, we've all been stuck in a house and it's basically the longest day of our lives every single day. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, you know, but you don't really get that confused about how long you've been here when it's been one day. No, I guess that's true, but maybe in an unusual place where you're unfamiliar and you're sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Not very well. I, I don't know. It just, it, it was an odd thing to ask and an odd answer. And the fact that she uh, had, you know, her weapons taken from her while she was sleeping and food was placed down and that door opened, but she didn't hear it. Uh, mm-hmm. just, this whole situation just is just weird for me. <laughs> okay. Weird. Weird's probably a good way to describe it. I mean, there's definitely more weirdness here than I noticed while watching yeah. it, but. I was starting to wonder if these people were real. Well, I wasn't sure about that either, to be honest. And if we'd only heard the voices, but we hadn't seen actual images, shots of them, I would have been questioning whether they were real or not too, but they are very real. They look pretty clean and well-kept for uh, people that have been on this, stuck in whatever room that they've, they've been stuck in for however long they've been stuck there. Well, that's the one thing that I don't think was adequately explained in this episode. Marshawn and Virgil just got back. You know, Virgil, in theory, was gone for some time, right? He went to the mainland, he said looking for supplies, um, was gone for a while and then came back. The boat ride took hours, apparently. So at minimum, he was gone for, I'd say, a couple of days, maybe, may, but probably longer. So these three yeah. people were stuck locked in that room for multiple days with no one around, like no caretaker around to bring them food or anything like that? I assumed... Because of, uh, you know, the fact that his, uh, his family was dead and that they had hung themselves, uh, because they hung themselves, it made me think they did not know that, uh, people turn into zombies, even if they don't die of a zombie bite. So if they didn't have that information, that probably happened early on in the zombie apocalypse. So those people have been hanging there for years. Right. Is my thought. And if they've been hanging there for years, then these three people have been in that cage for years. Yeah. And they did not seem that worse for wear if they'd been there that long. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Michonne is, looks worse than these people do. Yeah. And she's a, she's been living in Alexandria for years, uh, you know, eating fresh fruit and drinking tainted water, I guess. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But you're right. I mean, these three people, Lucy, Celeste, and Jeremiah, I don't understand how long they've been here, how long Virgil's been keeping them, how they can be in such good health, and how they survived while he was away for an extended period, even if it was only a few days. So 
that none of that adds up for me. They're they're ghosts. Are they ghosts? Well, they're I mean, not. They may not be figments of Michonne's imagination, but they might be ghosts. I don't think they're ghosts. Zombies are real, man. You can't tell me that ghosts don't exist in this universe. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure though they're not. I like if 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 only Michonne had ever seen them, or you know when Michonne eventually does escape, if if she hadn't brought them with her. I could maybe get on the board with, well, she just hallucinated that, but she brings them out and they are, you know, they do stuff the rest of the episode. So they're real people, but I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand how they're there. That's all. Okay. We saw Lori as a ghost, right? Or Rick did. Yeah. One person. See, yeah. Lori is a ghost or a, a vision, right? Yeah. But ghosts can do stuff. Like we've all seen The Shining, right? You saw The Shining? Uh, yes, I've seen, seen I've seen The Shining, of course. Are you sure? There's sometimes I reference movies that you haven't seen. No, I've definitely seen The Shining. Okay. So uh, that ghost lets him out of the freezer. Like he gets locked into the, in the freezer by his, uh, his wife and someone lets him out. Mm -hmm. And it's not his wife and it's not his son. Okay. So ghosts can, ghosts can do shit. Well, fine, but I, I just don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to need some help explaining this. Uh, because I don't think ghosts on the walking dead can do stuff <laughs> okay. or if there's okay. even ghosts on the walking dead. Yeah. Anyways. Right. Well, yeah. Anything else? Uh, on no, the, the ghosts? no, that's the, no, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> um, they encourage Michonne to eat. As I said, suddenly Michonne wakes up again and Virgil is now at the door, like standing on the other side of the door, talking through a small window. She's eaten. And uh, like the meal that, uh, that he put there, right? Yes. Now the food is gone and- <laughs> You saw, you saw the apple core, the, I, the red remains of the apple? Yep. Who eats an apple like that? Well, Like most she just ate people. around the middle and then the like big chunks of apple meat, is it called meat? Flesh? Uh, whatever. Uh -huh. Pieces, parts of apple. It just looks like a uh, theatrically eaten apple to me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, man. When Jasper's a little bit older and he eats apples like that, you'll see who eats apples no, like that. He eats apples like he he likes to eat like whole apples, and he he'll eat them. Uh, we have to make him stop eating like the stem and shit. So <laughs> he doesn't eat them like this. He just eats like chunks of whatever he can get his mouth on, not caring what uh, the structure of the the inner right. structure of an apple actually is. Okay, fair. <laughs> My so kids eat I just, apples. This like looks like an odd, really? Kind of, yeah. I mean, most of the time they cut them up and eat them, but if they don't, yeah. And I used to do that. You eat around like this, you don't eat the two ends, and there you go. I mean, I eat the yeah, whole thing now. But this looked like a, you know, it, it looked like a very theatrical apple eaten. Well, I mean, it was a stunt it, apple. What are you going to do? That's what they yeah, look like. I just, I just, I think that the prop department tried a little too hard. All right. <laughs> Michonne has eaten the apple or theatrically eaten the apple. Uh, Virgil's the poison at, apple. Right. Virgil, Virgin's <laughs> at the door. Virgin. Virgil is at the damn door and he won't open it. Michonne starts hallucinating and questions, what the hell did Virgil do? And we go to a commercial break. Yeah. So this is where things start to get really, really interesting. Michonne is hallucinating. Virgil tells her that it was Jimson weed tea that he gave her. Apparently it's a hallucinogen. Is, is that a real thing? I, it's a real thing, yeah. And uh, I, I guess, I didn't really go too deep into it, but I guess it can cause you to hallucinate. Um, he says that she needs peace because she's in pain, and she appeals to him on behalf of her family. And then she hears Sadiq's voice, 
Um, suddenly she's really cold and we, we actually see Sadiq uh, tending to her. He says he was supposed to, or she was supposed to protect them, but she let him and Rick and Carl die, right? This is all happening in Michonne's mind. Uh, Michonne sees blood all over her own hands and screams and then is alone in the cell. Of course, she has blood on her hands. It's a very clear metaphor. Um, and Sadiq's not a ghost. Well, what's Sadiq? A vision? Well, a hallucination. A I hallucination. Assume. Okay. He's yeah. not a ghost. Um, then suddenly Michonne sees herself from years ago with the chains, her zombie pet chains. She takes the chains from herself and has, is yanked back in time. And we're back, uh, again, we see her abandon Andrea to die in that forest. Cool. So at this point, I feel like it kicks off one of the best sequences that The Walking Dead has done. Because what happens next blew me away, and I loved every second of it. It was kind of fun. It, it, was, it was kind of fun. It depicts an alternate timeline of things that happened over many seasons of the show, just in little snippets. So first, uh, we see her looting Andrea's body. She takes a knife and her canteen of water. Michonne then becomes the person who's wearing the orange backpack on the side of the road that they drive by and don't stop to help. Remember that? In their, yeah, when they drove by in their Hyundai commercial. In the Hyundai, that's right. She tries to catch up with them, but Daryl is there and he decides to leave her behind and abandon her. She's going through the forest. She encounters Negan and the Saviors when he was still the leader of the Saviors and doing all his Saviory type stuff. He recognizes her strength and power. So Michonne ends up joining Negan and the Saviors instead of meeting up with Rick and everybody and becoming a part of that group. And they give her an apple. That's right. They give her an, ap he, an apple too to eat um, right in that scene. So we then go to the raid on that satellite station from a few years ago. We actually see Glenn and Heath killing people in their sleep. Uh, Michonne is one of the people in that satellite station that night, but she survives. We get some cool shots of Rick shooting people, which I thought looked really awesome. Um, we cut to the, uh, oh, and then we cut into the forest scene where we first, you know, actually met Negan for the first time in the true timeline of the show. Everybody's yep. on their knees. Michonne is now Negan's right-hand gal. That's what he calls her. Yep. So he does his speech, and then at certain point, he passes off the stage, if you will, to her and leaves it up to her to do the actual head-bashing killing. Um, she talks for a moment about our group killing people at night in their sleep. She, she says, that, you know, you just murdered people for no reason. And it ends up with a shot similar to what we saw way back then with Negan, you know, camera looking up at him, pointing Lucille and Michonne ends up saying, this is your fault. And it looks to me like we're supposed to, like she's bashing herself, basically. That Negan Michonne is bashing Rick Michonne in that clearing in the woods. Yep. Pretty amazing. We cut to her running through the forest she kills a couple of more people, but then Daryl ends up 
getting a shot at her with his crossbow, hits her in the chest. He approaches her. He kicks her down. She reaches for her sword, but a cowboy booted foot steps on her wrist as it's scrambling through the leaves. And of course it's Rick. He points the python down at her and pulls the trigger. That's awesome. It was amazing. I loved every second of this, just watching this alternate timeline. Um, it, it just blew me away. Happy Jack, who did our title read from Victoria, BC, wrote, holy crap, I'm glad Michonne ended up on Team Rick instead of Team Negan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam in Texas wrote, holy crap, did we just get a Walking Dead What If comic? And we kind of did for a segment there. Yeah. And finally, Cindy in Columbus, Ohio wrote, holy crap, loving seeing all the old characters and the show's take on the road not taken. But man, I agree with everybody. It was so cool. Uh, you know, it was so weird in a way, seeing Michonne in these different scenarios, even, even though it was just little bits here and there, it basically gave us everything we needed to understand that version of the story and what would have happened if she had met Negan first or had been actually had been that person on the side of the road with the orange backpack who got ignored. Yep. Evil Michonne. It was awesome. It was very cool. I also thought they did an amazing job with all the visual effects here because it is a combination of new footage with previously shot stuff. There was a shot where she leans right down in front of Rick like Negan did when they're on their knees in that clearing. It was yep. seamless, I thought. I thought it looked amazing. And then the shot at the end of Rick pointing his gun at Michonne with the camera looking straight at Rick's face with the gun at the camera in the foreground. Do you know where that was from? Do you remember? No. no. So that was a modified version of exactly the same shot when Rick was pointing the gun at Sophia when she walked out of the barn. Really? Oh my God. It's so amazing. Like you should it go is. back and watch that scene. Look for that shot because Rick is very different from back then to now. Right. And they, yep. com they made him look like, you know, more late season Rick and looked amazing to me. So kudos to everyone involved. It was one of my favorite like sequences that the show has ever done. It was, uh, it was enjoyable. And don't worry, I'll be going back and watching all of the, uh, the previous seasons of The Walking Dead. Once the show ends and we go back, <laughs> I'm sure we'll, I'm looking forward to that actually. A complete uh, rewatch, yeah. A complete rewatch because I haven't rewatched a single episode, uh, again, since, right. uh, since this whole podcast thing started. Crazy Not town. once. Crazy. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was a really good sequence. I really enjoyed it. Uh, alternate reality thing. Yeah. Uh, do they do that in the comics a lot? A what if? Uh, well, not Walking Dead, but they, there was a whole comic run back in the day called What If? And it was, I think it was a Marvel, Marvel thing. And it was, you know, what if this had happened instead of this? And then they do an issue or a couple about how things would be different within the Marvel universe. I remember reading some of those when I was younger. I remember there was a zombie Spider-Man Oh yeah, there was Marvel uh, Zombies, that's right, where they were all so zombies. That was, that's not really a what if, that's more of just a, let's have some fun with something and make everyone into a zombie. Right, cool. Like the Simpsons do with their, uh, uh, their Halloween episodes. Right, the Treehouse of Terror. Is that what they're Treehouse called? Treehouse of Horror. Of Horror, right. Yeah, they just, uh, they, they're not, you know, they don't fit into reality. The Simpsons reality. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which is loose to begin with. Yeah. 
I remember, uh, you know, talking about The Simpsons. Do you remember when uh, Leonard Nimoy was on The Simpsons back in season two or season three or whatever? Kind of, yeah. I remember. Yeah, and so Leonard Nimoy was on there and then he beamed out of uh, wherever he was. He just, somebody beamed him up. Right. Uh, I remember the, uh, watching uh, some kind of documentary about the writers. and Conan O'Brien was writing for The Simpsons at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were talking in the writer's room about this. It's like, you know, we've done some pretty weird things in The Simpsons so far, but this is the first thing where we actually show uh, a technology that does not exist. Like oh. this is the first time we're actually showing some kind of magic in the episode. Are we sure we want to cross this line? And they oh. did. They decided. <laughs> and we go. Decided to do it. Cool. That's fine. So it wasn't a Treehouse of Horror episode. It was just a regular episode. They beamed up uh, Leonard Nimoy and then all, you know, Kang and Chang or whatever those Kodos, are. Kang and Kodos. Come Kodos on. Kodos and Kang. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they've gone some in some weird places, but that was the first time. And they, I, I give kudos to the writers for thinking about that. Yeah. It's very so important. Much like the writers for this, for the first time, they're showing ghosts. Right? So it's like, you know, they probably sat in the writer's room and they're thinking, do we really want to cross this line where we show actual ghosts in uh, in The Walking Dead? And the uh, the answer is obviously yes. Of course we do. As long as they thought it through. Well, they went for an alternate reality, right? It's the first time they've shown an alter- alternate reality. Sure. So why but, not pair that with ghosts? Well, okay. So Michonne's alternate reality hallucination uh, ends with Rick pulling the trigger and her death and that snaps her back into the cell or snaps us back into the cell with her. She's vomiting into a bucket. Virgil brings in some water. He just walks into the room and uh, I guess he feels like she's not going to be in any state to do anything to him or escape, but Michonne grabs a spoon and jabs it into his leg and she fights him and escapes the cell. So Michonne, you don't underestimate her. Yeah, why would why would she drink anything given to him by or given to her by uh, the virgin uh, Virgil, <laughs> Virgin Virgil? Uh, he's alcohol free, Virgil. Um, well, she needs to eat, and the ghosts encourage her to eat. Remember, they said, yeah, but keep up she your strength. knows that the food that he gave her was laced with uh, some kind of hallucinogen. Like this is a known quantity now. You know why would she? You know when she's starting to come out of this oh. you know, state. Why would she take a drink from this man? I understand. I, I, yeah, I didn't realize you were talking about the mo- the water. Yeah, it does kind of, it's a little bit curious why after what she's just gone through, she drinks the water, but I don't know. She did. And then she got the spoon into his body somehow? It, I don't think, I don't think he was <laughs> penetrated by the spoon, Jason, but uh, I think it was enough to hurt him. She jabbed it at his leg, it looked like. Well, wouldn't a punch to the face do just as good in that case? Probably, but... Smack him with a tray? I I don't know. It just, it looked like she stabbed him with the spoon. Yeah. I mean, that would hurt. Come on. You ever been stabbed with a spoon? I wouldn't, I would not like to be jabbed with a spoon, but I don't think that it would, you know, somebody be able to sink it into my body. Well, maybe the handle end. Get just at the right spot. Maybe. Anyway, this looked odd to me too. Okay. Well, she gets out. She escapes the cell and she actually... Uh, freeze the other three people who are in the cell because they don't want to be left behind. They go after Virgil who ran away and they find the little boat that brought them there on fire. So that boat is not going anywhere. Did you think this was real? Yes. I did. I thought everything was real other than the alternate timeline hallucination. 
Well, why would why would you trust a television show that has uh, a hallucination sequence? Uh, why would you trust them to have the ending of a hallucination sequence when it uh, when they show you the uh, what's supposed to be the end? Well, I don't know because there was a very there was a very to me there was a very clear she eats the food, drinks the tea, and then starts hallucinating to vomits it up in a bucket later, like a very clear start and finish to the ingestion of something tainted, the hallucination, and then the, the, the end to that. So it, like, it, it never even crossed my mind that anything in this episode wasn't real other than what was happening in that cell after she ate the food. It was blurry to me because they did the whole episode started with, uh, was an alternate reality. So I didn't know what the heck was going on. So I was, my trust level went way through the floor. And then at the end of the sequence where she was vomiting into the bucket, she just took another drink of water handed to him by the very person that gave her the hallucinogen in the first place. I know, I know. It seems weird when you say it out loud like that, but it didn't occur to me at the time. I was like, she's dehydrated. She needs some water. She's going to drink it. And you can't use the episode starting with an alternate reality to back up your point because that is actually just part of the same hallucination hallucination sequence that's happening in the cell. We're just seeing it earlier in the episode, right? Well, no, it's ultimately a, you're you're right. It's a tease. Like, it's a tease, yeah, right? It is a tease. And uh I guess there's there's a difference here. Ultimately you are correct. You in the exact timeline of what happens when the hallucination starts and when the hallucination ends. But in the moment, I did not trust any of this. Got I it. didn't like, because that happened at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, well, what part of this is real if they're going to start off by showing us something that isn't real? And then all of a sudden the hallucination's over. Are you sure? Oh, she escaped. Are you sure she escaped? Maybe this is just, uh, uh, you know, maybe I watched too many movies like this. That's, that's fair. I mean, you had your guard up, right? So you were, you were looking for things that weren't there <laughs> yeah. or, or might have been there, but I don't think were, but you know, I, I, I see what you're saying. It just, none of that occurred to me while I was watching it. I thought it was very clearly defined what was going on. Right. Okay. So like I say, ultimately you are correct. Yeah. 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 This. After the commercial break, after they find the boat burning, um, Michonne has now found Virgil in the forest. She knocks him down. All four of them are there. The other three people as well. They all want to kill him, but Virgil claims he was going to let them go anyways. Um, then Michonne stops and says killing him won't settle it and they'll lose part of themselves. She says they should have mercy and they'll find peace. So that word mercy comes up again, which of course we know is important to her and Rick. And instead, Lucy, one of the other three people, knocks him out. With what though? What the hell is that thing she's holding? Well, it was some sort of tool or weapon, right? She turns it around and butts him in the head with it. Yeah. It looked like it had rubber bands on it, like big ass rubber bands. Like what exactly was that thing that she was holding? Was I'm, it made out of a, like a, one of those things where you hang, um, you know, saline solution bags on when you're trying to rehydrate <laughs> patients? Uh, I'm sure that thing has a name, but I don't know what well, it of is. Of course it does. I don't know what the hell it's called. Right. Uh, some kind of bag stand. Can we call it a bag stand? It might actually be a bag stand. A bag All right, rack. So, She's got a, she's got a bag rack with, uh, uh, you know, some big rubber tubing on it. Okay. Well, then she hit him some with it and he went unconscious. tubing? Like what kind of tubing would that be for? I don't know, man. Maybe it's a makeshift, uh, <laughs> spear, spear fishing. Spear gun? Yeah. yeah. 
See? Okay, so she made a spear gun uh-huh. while she, while they were incarcerated in the, for the last however many years. Anyway, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know what the tools they're using. She stabbed her with a uh, he. Uh, she stabbed him with a spoon. Uh, she ate her apple weird. Uh, she's drinking, you know, obviously tainted water. This episode is weird. They're on a weird island. It's lost. Well, they've knocked Virgil out. He, they put him in the cell. He's now in there. Michonne comes to te- comes in to tell him she's checked every building and there's no weapons. He says he didn't lie and he can show her where they are. Um, but she asks him what he sees when he takes the tea. And he talks about his family and all the nice memories. And he asks Michonne the same question and she says, no, I saw hell. Right? So very yeah. different experiences when they take this hallucinogenic tea. So anyways, Virgil takes Michonne to a room full of supplies. <laughs> Finally. And uh, she starts looking through the room and comes across a pair of cowboy boots and immediately recognizes these as Rick's cowboy boots. Um, And we do too, because we saw Rick's cowboy boots earlier in the episode during the hallucination. Right. Very important. So this hidden room was like, she checked all the buildings except for this room, I guess. I guess so. She didn't check this one. Yeah. There's marine equipment in here too, right? There's flippers and stuff. Okay. So like wetsuits and the uh, masks and things. This is a weird room. Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay. Just I don't keep... know what's going on in this island. What the fuck is this island? To keep the theme going, it's a weird room. Obviously, though, Michonne has a very strong reaction to finding Rick's boots. Virgil's looking on. And then she very violently asks him where he got them. Pushes right. him against the door and says, where did you get these? Well, she's very uh, attentive and... Uh, you know, in, in very, very good at remembering these boots because I don't think I could pick my wife's boots out of a lineup if if I had to. I mean, if it's the only thing she ever wore, you might, right? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Well, Michonne recognizes it, the boots and so did you sitting there watching them. Don't tell me you didn't. I, I didn't recognize them per se. I realized what they were from her reaction. All right. Fair enough. So I'm not really good at, uh, at, uh, observing that kind of thing. For example. Okay. <laughs> I was dating this girl back in, uh, oh, I don't even know what the year it was. It was the late nineties. Okay. Uh, I was dating this girl and, uh, she came over to my apartment and we went out for dinner to, uh, a restaurant that we frequented all the time. We were known there by all the staff and everything. We sat down at the table and the waitress who was our waitress many, many, many times then, uh, before then and after then. Uh, she came over to ask us what she wanted. And I said, hey, you got a haircut. Next thing I know, my girlfriend was taking a swing at me. And she <laughs> she clocked me because my girlfriend had also gotten a haircut that day. And I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. But I noticed the waitress's haircut. Well, so full paw on my part, but uh, it's just kind of indicative to, uh, I really don't notice this shit. Except on the waitress, apparently. Apparently, except on the waitress this one time. All right. <laughs> so, well... I'm bad. So I didn't recognize the boots, but I realized what they were from Michonne's reaction. It's like, I assume they're Rick's because mm-hmm. they're cowboy boots. And that seems like the kind of thing Rick would wear. <laughs> yes. As everybody knows. Yeah. So she wants to know from Virgil where he got them. After a break, he takes her to a pretty large military looking boat that's floating, you know, <laughs> just there off the island and this is what said he says where he found the boots he says that the boat washed up during a big storm quote <laughs> uh yeah 
although it's not listing at all, it's just, you know, nicely moored inside uh, whatever lagoon that it happens to be in. Again, very lost-ish, right? Boat out of nowhere. There's, there's this boat. It, it just kind of showed up here on this, this mysterious island. Uh, it doesn't happen to be, you know, an old no. uh, slave galleon with dynamite on it, but it might as well be. And it's not beached. It's just floating there, not moving. Yeah, sort, and it looked to me like it was some kind of military boat because, uh, just because of the writing on it, but I have no, it's not a military boat, but it kind of looked like one to me. Okay. Well, they go on board. Michonne uh, finds, she's looking through stuff. She finds some kind of log that mentions Virginia Hopewell and New Jersey, it looked like Bridger's Shipyard or something like that. It's written down, but they kind of focused on it for a second, so I don't know if it's important. And then she comes across an old iPhone with a drawing on the screen, obviously of her and Carl. Yeah, it was a good drawing. It was. I liked it. Uh, there's also some some Japanese letters on there that mean "believe a little bit longer," and that translation is confirmed by Angela Kang and Scott Gimple. So okay, I okay. So it was Japanese. I didn't recognize the language. It was Japanese. Um, yep. Believe a little bit longer. So who would? Who speaks Japanese that would carve this likeness on this phone? Well, that is that is unusual, um, because if we are to believe that Rick actually left this, made this drawing and left it here, to our knowledge, Rick does not speak or write Japanese, so I don't know. Well, um, I guess he does now. It's been years, right? Uh, it has been years, but I have a feeling that he may not have been on, like, he may have been on that boat shortly after he was taken, six years ago, not recently. That's the feeling I got anyways. Well, I mean, the boat washed ashore. It could be any time that he was there. Yeah, it could be any time. It just, it looks kind of weird. Uh, did he have a picture of Michonne and Judith in his back pocket when uh, Carl, he was Carl. Up in, Carl, Judith. whatever. Yeah. Uh, did he have a picture of them? I, I thought it was Judith. <laughs> no, that I think that's Carl wearing the hat. Shonen and Carl. Well, Judith wears the hat now. Well, so she, I know. Confusing. <laughs> All right. So whatever. Uh, why would it have a likeness so accurate, even though I got confused of the person, <laughs> why would it have a likeness so accurate yet have Japanese writing on it? Well, I don't, I can't explain the Japanese writing, but maybe he did have a picture in his pocket when he was taken. Maybe he's just a decent illustrator or artist and he can do that kind of thing well that's fine like him drawing or drawing this or carving this into the screen that's fine because he knows what michonne and carl look like but if he drew it why japanese writing if he didn't draw it uh, and it was drawn by somebody who does know how to write in japanese characters how would they know what michonne and carl look like yeah so many questions <laughs> this phone is confusing Right? It is now. I mean, it wasn't for me before, but it is now. <laughs> I'm expecting a smoke monster to show up. Oh my God, if only. Well, Michonne, again, has a strong reaction to finding this, and she turns around and accuses, accuses Virgil of coming to find her at Oceanside, and that he knew about this the whole time. Uh, she's accusing him of being involved, basically, in Rick's disappearance. But of course, Virgil has no idea what she's talking about. He... He, he, he says, I have no idea who that is. And, um, you know, I believe him because I don't think Virgil knows what's going on at the best of times, really. So 
Virgil's very self-centered. Yeah, but right? it, it, it's all about me and, you know, stuff I want. And I'm going to manipulate you to, in order for me to get what I want out of this, whatever. Sure. So but, him doing something that isn't directly related to him is. Yeah. Confusing. But it also doesn't make any sense to me that he would have anything to do with Rick or the disappearance. I really do believe he's been on this island, like for a while totally cut off from the world and he just left for some reason. But, um, you know, I think Michonne is overreacting here based on emotion. Uh, anyways, Virgil says that they can probably fix the engine on this boat and get it working again, which gives Michonne a chance to go find Rick because the other boat lit on fire somehow. Only he didn't use the word fix. What word did he use? It was kind of confusing. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, um, you're right. It wasn't the word fix. While you're looking for that, I'll I'll finish off the bit here. And so outside, they're preparing to leave on the boat. Michonne tells Virgil that they've agreed to let him come because it's the only boat. And by they, I mean the other three people on the island, the ghosts. And she says that they're good people and that they're giving him a chance. But as they sail away on the boat, Michonne looks off to the shore and there's Virgil by himself. So he opted to stay while the other four leave. Yeah. He says he can mod the engine. Mod, right. Which is a weird word to use for fix because mod is modify, right? To take mm -hmm. something and uh, customize it for your own use in some way is the, you know, current, my current understanding of the word mod. Uh, so it was weird. It's like, well, okay, the engines work, but it washed up ashore, but they're going to mod them in order to do what? Fly? Like, <laughs> what are they going to do with the engines here? How are they modding them? Are they going to, are they, uh, are they adding LEDs maybe to the, uh, to the engines? Like, I don't if you're going to mod a computer, you might, you know, add, you know, special cooling, mm -hmm. like liquid cooling or LEDs or, you know, uh, you know, RGB fans of some kind. Like what are the, how are they modding the engines? Anyway, so he, he, what he says was, I, I think we can mod the engines, but what I, what he was actually saying was, I think we can fix the engines. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, and then they do with no problems whatsoever. Yeah. This we, boat was abandoned and washed ashore, but they can just like, oh, they forgot to close the cover on this particular engine. Now it runs. Oh, and look, the tanks are full, full of fuel. So we're good to go. We're good to go. We skip <laughs> over all that. And we, we go to finding out that Virgil decides to stay. Oh, the problem the whole time was the keys were on the floor and not in the ignition. Yeah, they, they just flipped down the sun visor. The keys were there. They put them in and right. they were good to go. Yeah. And what he meant by that was uh, mod the engine. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it was just awfully convenient that now this boat drives. And equally weird. Yeah. So commercial break, uh, Michonne is on the boat. She's looking at the phone drawing and crying about it. She radios, uh, Judith and RJ. RJ tells her that his code name is now Little Brave Man, which was nice. pretty cute. Uh, Judith tells her that they got most of the horde and that Alpha can't hurt them anymore. And that's exciting. So Michonne knows that now. Skipping right over Beta. Like Beta's still a problem. I don't know if anybody realizes that, but. Oh, he's yeah. still out there and he's been partially unmasked and yep. we don't know, we don't have the end of his storyline in any way, shape or form. We do not. But I mean, she, Judith is fo focusing on the good news. It's like, we got the horde, we got alpha. I mean, it's not done yet, but you know, we're, 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 we're okay over here. She's trying to tell her mom. Right. Oh, and I shot this guy, but he didn't die and now he's going to kill us all. 
Uh, right. Yeah, he didn't die. He's going to kill us all. Well, you know, maybe she was getting to that. But Michonne starts talking about finding Rick's stuff, who's known as the brave man, which is cool. And Judith questions if the brave man is alive and understands the significance of this. And she, Judith says to Michonne, you have to go find him. You know, she says, uh, they're doing okay. And what if he needs her more? What if he's trying to come home, but nobody will help him? And uh, so Michonne kind of reluctantly agrees and tells Judith that she's going to head north and not come home to her family. Yep. So this is, uh, this Michonne's out. It is. Judith gives her permission. I wouldn't leave. If I was Michonne and I had a, a, essentially a a daughter and a son, uh, left behind in order to go find my wife, who I assume was dead, but, and may still be dead. I don't think I'd leave. No. I really don't. No. Gemma in South Wales agrees with you. She wrote, bye Judith and RJ. I might be back. Might not. Take care of your uncle Daryl. Holy crap, I just couldn't do that. No. No. I, I know yeah, what you I, mean. I don't think I could do it. I mean, I love my wife, and I would want her to be safe, and I would want to try and find her if she was missing uh, and or presumed dead, but not actually, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know she was dead, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't leave. No. I'd be like, well, you know, adults, you know, Rick, if he's alive, he can take care of himself. Right. And, and I mean, you wouldn't, you, you at least wouldn't immediately leave. You'd go back, you'd deal with things, you'd talk to people, you'd gather a team, and you'd go out, maybe, right? You wouldn't just stay out and never come back. That seems a little far-fetched, right? A little convenient, right? Yeah. yeah. They go to a magic island, they find magic people, uh, she escapes uh, after a hallucination, they find a boat with, uh, you know, magic boots, uh, and the boat magically works and she's going to just fuck off now. So <laughs> it, it's very weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Like, nothing makes sense to me anymore. Like I enjoyed this episode, but it doesn't make any sense. Well, I, I've been, I wanted to ask you at the end of all of this, that despite everything that you've talked about here, did you like this one? I did. And okay. I like it for the same reason I liked Lost. What the hell is going on here? Only the, in this uh in this show, we didn't get really get an explanation. No, and we're just going to move on from it. But, and we did in Lost. I don't care what anybody says. All right, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, after this conversation, we are with some walkers in the forest. Michonne's now off the boat. She chops off, you know, she kills a couple of them, chops off some arms and jaws, and creates two new pets. So she ropes them up and she begins traveling on foot just like she did back in the day. Super gross. Yeah. She encounters- Close up with that guy's friggin' face missing with his like tongue, half a tongue and half a jaw. It's awesome. Jesus, Greg. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. (laughs) Good Uh, work. She- Jeez. Yeah. So she's traveling with these two pets. She encounters a couple of survivors struggling through the forest. One of them is injured. She approaches them. They beg her for help, saying things like, they'll leave without us. There's no time. Michonne questions who, and then looks out into a nearby valley and sees a huge convoy of people moving through this valley. We flash back to the prison, and Rick, it's a scene where Rick and Carl are basically helping Michonne by letting her into the prison, um, right? So she realizes that 
you know, people helped her a lot in her past. Yep. Um, so back in the present, Michonne kills the two pets and she decides to help these two people, leading them toward the big convoy of, of uh, travelers. The camera pans up. We can hear horses. We see wagons and just what looks like hundreds, if not thousands of people moving in this big convoy through this valley. The end. Episode over. That's it for Michonne. Well, who are those people? Well, we don't really know. We don't really know. We don't know where they're going. We don't know exactly who they are. Um, but it appears that Michonne is going to follow them or possibly join them on their journey wherever they're going, hopefully leading her to Rick. Well, yeah, if they're going that way. <laughs> right. Uh, but they, uh, it looked like they were in you know, groups of people all surrounded by boxes of, uh, you know, uh, some kind of picket line in order to prevent zombies from getting into their, uh, into their midst. Yep. And they were going through <laughs> the swath of ground that they were on was so wide. Like it was hundreds of feet wide. Yeah. It's like, do they, do they really need to have a hundred wide, hundred foot wide clearing to go wherever they're going or can they, you know, reconfigure themselves so they can be in a, a single file to fit down, say a road or something. I'm going to imagine they can probably reconfigure themselves if they need to. It's uh, anyway, it seems like an odd way to travel in such a large, large group. I mean, it was reminiscent of, uh, you know, old style armies when they, uh -huh. you, go, you go into battle, you'd go, you'd, you'd form up into these uh, groups, you'd move them around and get into battle and, you know, but they didn't march there that way. They marched <laughs> in columns in order to get to the battlefield and then they reconfigured themselves in order to some kind of, uh, you know, battle formation. Yeah. This looked like a battle formation. It did not look like a marching or, uh, uh, you know, a movement formation. Yeah. It was just, it was a little odd. I, I don't think it in any way we were supposed to think it was a battle formation, but I think probably it just did a good job of giving us a sense for how many people were there and how big the group was, right? Rather than yeah. having like a long skinny line that vanished in the distance, this was able to show us like everybody that was there all at once. At first when I saw it was, I thought it was some kind of herd, right? It was like a horde of zombies. Oh yeah. But then it was a little too well formed to be a horde of zombies. But then I thought, well, the whispers could probably do this. Yeah, that's true. Could have done this. So, but they're not really into formations, I wouldn't think. No. Uh, so anyway, I was confused by this. And the two people that she, she rescued were wearing like animal skins, ponchos, yeah. animal skin ponchos, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, which was... we hadn't really seen that kind of thing before. No, not the same way. Um, but in any case, this is it for Michonne. She has, is traveling north looking for Rick because she's picked up a trail. And that was Denai Guerrero's last appearance on The Walking Dead, apparently. So, um, yeah, I, I was going to ask you, and I did, if you liked the episode despite all this, because I thought it was pretty well done. I really enjoyed the hallucination stuff. And for Denai's last episode, I, I do think they did a pretty good job here. I'm glad she wasn't killed off. Um, but they've, they've sent her on her way into the unknown for now. Uh, and I must admit, I think this kind of confirms in my mind that she is going to now be a part of these Rick Grimes movies if they ever get made. How's that going to work though? Well, I don't know, of course, but I'm, 
I, I started to think that maybe this is why we haven't gotten any real details on the movies yet, because either they were waiting for this episode to air because they needed, you know, they wanted to promote the movies or give us some information. And now we have a good idea that maybe Michonne is going to be a part of those movies. So more information can come out or at some point there was a change of plans when they found out that Denai Guerrero wanted to leave the show and they said, okay, you can leave, but we want to put you into these movies. So it's going to require some rewrites. It's going to take some more time. And that's why there's been no information about them out there yet, because they haven't been able, they've been delayed because Denai Guerrero needed to be incorporated somehow. Right. Or they're scrapping the whole Rick movie idea and just going with Michonne movie ideas. Well, I suppose that's a possibility too, but I, I still believe they're going to, to make a Rick movie and it's Jadis will be in them. We've already, we already sort of know that. And I have a feeling that Michonne is going to be in them now too. And, uh, that is maybe why they've been delayed a little bit because they needed to rework the movies to get Michonne's character in there somehow. I understand. Yeah. Maybe Michonne will time travel now so that she can be in the Rick movies during that six year time frame that Rick's been gone. Yeah, well, and if it's still a trilogy, I mean, maybe she's only in the third one and the third Rick movie takes place six years later and the first two don't. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do it, right? Who knows? Yeah. When, and Rick, if if this ta- if she's in the movies and this play takes place six years after Rick disappeared, what the hell's he been doing? Well, that's he's, what they're going to tell us. He's got two kids that and a wife that he needs to get back to. I know, I know. He's just, it's just like, uh, is he hanging out? If they're going north and uh, uh, she's going to end up, uh, what's north of where she is? Montreal? She's going to end up in Montreal? Like, uh, you know, Rick's been hanging out uh, in strip clubs for the last few years. <laughs> just, you know, like I got a wife and kids and everything, but Montreal has some pretty nice strip clubs. So why would I leave? <laughs> why would I ever want to go somewhere else <laughs> once you get <Yeah>. here? <laughs> People who arrive in Montreal never leave Montreal. <laughs> Well, I, I've been there a couple of times. I left every yeah, time. Me too. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I also think this, you know, whatever, whoever that big convoy of people are, it, it, I think it integrates into the bigger plans, teases us a little bit more about the Walking Dead expanded universe, you know, that group. Again, we don't know who they are, but I think it's going to be another big group. We we probably learn more about probably in these movies, but but who knows? So, you know, overall, I thought this was a pretty solid episode, and uh, and I'm I'm happy with the way they wrote Michonne out of the show. Uh, yeah, I think I generally agree with you that this was a pretty good episode. I did enjoy it, even though I found a lot of it confusing. Yeah. But not in a bad way necessarily. It was just like, what? What? What's that all about? You know, they could have explained it more, but leaving it a mystery was sort of okay. Well, I mean, uh, maybe maybe that's why it would have been better as a two-parter. They could have they could have expanded on some of this a little bit more, given us a little bit more of the journey to the island and time on the island, and and helped flesh it out a little bit. Which is, I mean, like I said off the top, I was kind of hoping it would be a two-parter because I was enjoying it and I just didn't want to see Michonne go so quickly. Um, but you know, they didn't do that, but maybe they should have. They could have made the, uh, the Island a, uh, a military, uh, hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic 
drug research facility. Right. Right? Because the military's done that before. They've done LSD trials uh-huh. uh, where they tried to, you know, do that kind of thing. If they wanted to make this a military base that did hallucinogenic trials on people, they would have a stockpile of these hallucinogenic drugs. I could have been a whole thing, but yet, like you said, probably a two-parter would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was there was some interesting stuff they could have done here that would have explained at least a little bit. Like, what were those books doing there, and why weren't they waterlogged? Like, who <laughs> leaves books on on chairs outside and they don't get rained on? I, I mean, this is what I love about you. You ask the difficult, unimportant <laughs> questions. <laughs> it's important. How I do know. You, how do you leave a book out and it not get rained on? This island's got some magical properties, I'm telling you. Yeah, clearly it, it may. Uh, well, anyways, if you guys out there had the same sort of problems as Jason did with this episode, and, and I use problems lightly because, you know, you said they were problems, but kind of in an okay way, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that boat wasn't real. The last boat. The last boat. But, yeah. The boat with the, where they modded the engines. <laughs> right. And, you know, put some colored fans on it and stuff. Uh, yeah, that boat wasn't real. It was driven by ghosts mm-hmm. and, uh... Uh, maybe Michonne's still on the island. Like those columns of people are a bit weird too. I don't think any of this was real. So maybe Michonne is on an island, stuck, stuck on an island somewhere, hallucinating, and she's never going to get off. That's correct. And won't that's what I be in the Rick movies? She's just gone. Well, if she is in the Rick movies, I'm going to have to assume the Rick movies are hallucinations. Oh my god! I really look <laughs> forward to watching those with you now. <laughs> Well, you know, what's real at this point? Yeah. It seems there's an awfully, there's an awful lot of convenient information in here and known hallucinogen, uh, hallucinations that she had about an alternate reality. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know what to tell you. It's, and her leaving her kids to go find Rick, that seems like a hallucin, uh, you know, hallucination as well. It's, it's a fantasy of her wanting to escape. Seems out of character a little bit. You're right. So, but but the, the motivating factor of finding Rick, I think is really strong with her. So you can, I say you can argue that that is enough to take her away on that journey. Yeah. But it makes more sense for Daryl to do it. Daryl's been searching for Rick for years. You know, he spent, uh, he ostracized himself from Alexandria in order to uh, search for Rick. He lived in that tattered fucking tent. Uh, raft thing yeah. for a long time and was eating, you know, feet with the dog. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, it makes more sense for Daryl to bugger off looking for Rick than it does for Michonne, who has two kids in a community that she wants to uh, help protect. Yeah, the only reason I'll, the only thing I'll say to that is they did try to make a point in this episode to remind us that Judith and RJ are at home safe with Daryl, right? Like he's staying with them so Michonne can leave, but I see your point. Michonne should stay with them while Daryl goes on the Rick mission. Yeah. And Judith, you know, didn't give uh, Michonne all the information either, right? She didn't say anything about Hilltop. She didn't say anything about Beta. Yeah. She didn't say anything about having to kill somebody. She didn't say anything about uh, uh, a lot of stuff. She just said, oh, we're fine. Yeah, but kids are like that. I mean, yeah, you ask my kids what they did in a day and they'll tell you like the minutiae of the day, but not like the single most important thing. So, you know, kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we want to hear from you guys. If you know what you thought of this episode, if it was weird, if you loved it, if you're happy with the way Michonne went out and we will be back on Thursday later this week to 
read and listen to and play your listener feedback. So it is back to the usual schedule here, and I'm looking forward to it. In the meantime, though, you can help out on the podcast by visiting um, patreon.com slash the talking dead and uh, making a well becoming a patron of the show, basically, and making a small monthly pledge, which, you know, helps with all the costs involved in putting on this show. If that's not your thing and you'd rather do a one time uh, donation, you can go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to just uh, send a little bit of your admittedly hard earned cash our way. Now, amidst all of the things that are going on in the world right now, please, please don't send us your money if it will cause any hardship in your life. Take care of yourself first. Take care of yourself first. Take care of your loved ones first, your family, your friends, and make sure that's all good. We will still be here after this, I sincerely hope. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we love to have you on board listening. But if you do have a little bit extra, patreon.com slash the talking dead or talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. Okay. If you want to send in feedback, as I said, we would love to hear it. I'm especially curious about everyone's feelings about this episode now that we've had this conversation, Jason, because yep. it didn't really go the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that. Um, so check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, or go to our website and click on send voicemail top. You can send us a message. You can also just use your phone to record your thoughts and email that message, email that audio file to us. And the email address you can use for that or any other messages you want to send is talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Anything else, Jason, before we wrap things up here for the night? No, I think I'm good. Cool. Don't forget, there's only two more episodes this season, at least the next two weeks uh, of The Walking Dead for season 10. Episode 16 is going to come later at some point once the world has settled down and hopefully gone back to normal a little bit. Uh, so we only got two more weeks, but in the meantime, we're going to be here podcasting about it and, uh, hopefully you will be along with us. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>